I don't know about you, but parenting isn't what I thought it would be. It's way more guilt, anxiety, and chocolate than I ever imagined. I'm so happy and proud of the family we've built, but at other times, I feel like I've lost myself along the way. Parents are human too. You may be one of us absently wandering the aisles of a hardware store pondering, what is this thing called parenting? Welcome, and we're so glad to share this brief part of our journey with you. We're a group of parents and professionals acknowledging all Coast Salish people on whose traditional and unceded territory we live, we learn, we play, and podcast. We'd also like to recognize Fraser House Society, our partner in making this thing called parenting possible. So Ashley and Karen are here today, and we are here to listen to the episode of Who Are These People, Karen's Story. And I'm Karen. I edit most of the episodes, and we posted Lee, Ashley, and Kathleen's episodes a long time ago, but I have delayed posting my episode because I edit them, and it was just too hard to be able to edit my episode. We recorded them 18 months ago and I've been through a lot with my son in the last 18 months over the pandemic and whatnot. Um, There's been a lot of extreme situations that uh, I have an advocate that works with me and she was like, no other parent would ever put up with any of these things that you have put up with Karen and just made work in your life. And that's because when you're in the middle of the trauma, you just, you have to make it work. You have to survive it somehow. And then now I'm kind of on the other side of it. My son went into therapeutic care home about three or four weeks ago, and I'm starting to see now some of the trauma. So I'm scared to listen to this episode because I don't know how hard it's going to be for me to listen to it. And so Ashley's here to listen to it with me. And then after the episode, we're going to debrief about it and, and we'll include you in on that debriefing. And can I add to yes. um, that you wrote an incredible blog oh, about yes. your experience as you went through, which whether or not you have a special needs child or have been through that experience or know someone who's gone through the experience or you're a professional working with special needs, can I just say that it is uh, one of the best blogs I've ever read? Oh, Very gosh. Inf- thank you, Ashley. Well, you're such a, a great was, writer. It was... And- literally just verbal, like typing vomit of just getting it out and yeah, putting it out there. But, uh, it's, I, I will not go back and reread those cause it's too mm-hmm. traumatic. It was too hard to go through it, but a lot of people have expressed how, I don't know, moving or good or whatever you want to call it. The blog was. So if you're somebody out there who has a special needs child that may be going into some kind of a therapeutic care setting and you it's it's hard there's like a lot of like and it's raw super raw mm-hmm. uh but um if you want to you can email us and ask for the recording and in exchange for passing on our podcast to a few friends of yours um we will definitely send you the link so you can email us at thing called parenting at gmail.com that's thing called parenting at gmail.com. And we will send you the link for the blog if you would like to read it. So yeah, should we press play? Okay. 
I'm Karen Jansen, and my job title is Prevention and Health Promotion Facilitator. And what that actually means is it is a contract from Health Substance Use Services that is put into uh, the community, various agencies, and my contract is answerable to health substance use services. In the past, we've called it things like drug and alcohol addiction, and really where the gold is, is in the health promotion. And so that's really, um, that's what gives me life and gives me joy. I love doing this job. It doesn't pay that great. <laughs> reason I do it is because on, um, I just crossed my 19 year anniversary. So I'm now in my 20th year of, of doing this and it's changed a lot, thankfully over the years. Personally though, this is where it gets interesting. <laughs> so personally in that long time period that I have been doing this job, uh, I was married and had a child and then got divorced. And now I am a solo parent. And my child has very significant special needs. He has profound autism and he also has an intellectual disability of unknown amounts because the autism makes it really complex to be able to figure that out. He is in the lowest one percentile of his peers. Some of the professionals at Children's Hospital have described him as being in the most extreme children of the prov in the province uh, for his behavior. I do have family around, but I don't have a lot of support around because my family have a number of complex factors happening with them that make them unable to support us. And then furthermore, on top of that, my child's behaviors are so extreme. Most people are afraid of my child. I am afraid of my child sometimes. Uh, and so he's 10 years old now. And so we're getting into the tween years and he's getting bigger and he's getting stronger. And a lot of the times he functions at around a 12 month old level. And he's at, uh, sometimes he functions as high as maybe a two or three year old level, but that would be the maximum of where he functions. So I experienced a lot of grief in that, uh, in missed milestones. And even when Ashley was talking about bringing her daughter to Kathleen's dance class at the age of one, I'm, I've never had opportunities to be able to bring my child to do something like that's like a rite of passage. Like, oh, we're starting dance class. Yay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I don't get to do things like that with my son for my son. It's, it's both of us constantly working on self-regulating on, we're always in survival mode. This morning is a great example of what a typical day might be like. And it started off with, uh, my son got up, actually he slept in this morning until 6am and it's because he didn't go to bed until about 1030 last night. And he was upset before he went to bed. And so he was smashing his head and he's learned he's he's can help he started to control it a little bit so instead of smashing his head into the wall or a table or something like that he repeatedly now smashes it into the couch when he's upset about something and he's nonverbal so he doesn't 
uh, he can't communicate easily and his intellectual disability prevents him from being able to use typical communication tools uh, like pictures or tablet forms of communication, electronic uh, voice and things like that. He doesn't use those types of things. So he was bashing his head a lot last night and then I was really grateful because he calmed down after, uh, I don't know, half an hour of doing that. And then he like pushed me out of the chair that I was sitting in where I was basically just observing him and trying to keep him kind of safe. And, uh, and he pushed me toward the TV. And then I knew that he wanted me to put on a particular episode of the show that he loves. So then he did calm down finally after I think the fourth time watching through that episode and he went to sleep. And then this morning when he woke up at about 6 a.m., um, he was kind of quiet when he first woke up and I knew that was bad news. So, uh, and he slept on the couch last night too, which is a new thing for us. It's actually a good development because it means he can now choose where he wants to sleep. And that's a big uh, that's progression for us is for him to be able to choose where he wants to sleep. So I went down and, uh, and checked on him and he is still in diapers and he had had a bowel movement and, um, and they're really messy. Fresh out of the gate this morning, I am elbow deep and cleaning everything up. And then I was able to get him into the bath. He has these, I call them epic baths, where he like splashes, he makes a water slide. I only put in like a couple of inches of water. And even then it's like he can, he can slide up to one side. But um, yeah, he turns the whole like bathtub into a water slide and splashes the water everywhere so that the floor of the bathroom ends up becoming a creek bed. And so I have to line the floor with multiple layers of towels. And even then, sometimes it still runs downstairs and goes through the, the floor into the ceiling of the floor below and comes out through our chandelier. So that's what I'm always trying to prevent for that from happening. So I'm battling that. And I'm also cleaning up from the diaper, which has now stunk up the whole entire house. Then I went, uh, got him dressed and he doesn't like getting dressed either. Parts of it bother him. It's, I think, especially this time of year, it's like the cold of putting on like cold jeans. And so while I'm trying to pull his pants on him, he's bashing his head or while I'm trying to, cause he can't dress himself either. Uh, he can help me. So I'm pulling, uh, pulling his pants up and he's bashing his head into my skull. And, uh, and that's normal for us. That's a regular morning. Then he went downstairs and his breakfast and he only eats onion rings for breakfast. Sometimes I'll have a chicken nugget too, but he only eats onion rings for breakfast. So while his onion rings are cooking, I'm upstairs trying to get ready because we had to start recording fairly early in my day today. And then I can hear something going on downstairs that I know shouldn't be going on. And I run down the stairs to check, to see, to check on him. And he is batting the chandelier like a tetherball. And the chandelier is just like swinging back and forth. Pieces of the chandelier came off. And he's laughing hysterically because he loves it. And he, it, it creates a really cool visual effect. But I lost it. And I yelled at him because I didn't know how to tell him that I mean, he, he does this semi-regularly. It's not like that's the first time he's done it. And so, and I had already told him to stop doing that once that morning. So I yelled at him like, you need to stop doing that now. That is bad because he doesn't understand that it's, he, he just knows it's a cool visual effect, but I need him to stop doing that because I still need to get ready for work. This is, this is a very common occurrence that would happen in any given morning. It is hard, it, you know, and I'm doing it all on my own. And I feel like 
like people should know, like, this is what I'm like slogging through every day. There are multiple studies that show that the mothers of special needs children, like my son, uh, particularly children on the autism spectrum, uh, mothers of, of those children have stress levels, cortisol levels equal to soldiers in active combat. And that is what I am going through every day and then still coming to work to, to try to put sentences together, to try to make sense uh, of what's going on. And then you add pandemic stress factors on top of that too. And it is really hard to function. And yet it's really important for me to keep doing this because it gives me a place to give back. People feel bad when they, uh, when I'm in a position where I can help them because they feel like they should be helping me and that I can't contribute. But that basically impairs uh, or prevents me from being able to engage in intimate relationships with people, in close relationships with people, because comparing suffering is not helpful for anybody. I would like for special needs parents that might be listening to us to also have a voice and to also feel part of a parenting community, that we are equal parents, that we all have things that we can contribute together, that in many ways my suffering might be 10 times. And sometimes I do get irritated when somebody's like, oh, my kid, they didn't sleep last night because they were throwing up all night and I you know, had to take a sick day or whatever because I only got like five hours of sleep. And I'm like, that's every single night for me. <laughs> like, and, and, they, and they can barely function. So sometimes I feel a little bit bitter like that. But then I remember it's all about all of us supporting each other. And we all need to have each other's backs. And when we don't have each other's backs, then people get left out for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And everyone's parenting journey is valid everyone's parenting journey deserves to be heard somehow. Uh, and I think we also need to be validating each other in our parenting journeys as we're learning from each other. All that, all that stuff is important. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You are amazing. You are mm -hmm. absolutely amazing. Oh, I don't feel amazing when I just yelled at my kid. Like I yelled so loud. I yelled the loudest I possibly could because I was just like, you cannot keep and like literally, I mean, things I haven't even included in there is um, Lee actually came in a couple of weeks ago to line my child's bedroom walls with plywood because he now is strong enough to put his fist through the drywall. And then he realizes that the drywall breaks off like rocks and then they're really fun rocks to throw in his room. So he's literally tearing the walls apart in his room in total glee because he doesn't understand that he is literally deconstructing our house around him. So we had to put up plywood uh, everywhere. That was like two weeks ago, I think that happened. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just, and I have to say, Lee is amazing at doing community. Um, he gets community and he really gets that piece of giving the world what he has to offer. And well, actually we all do in this group, but I just, Lee has helped me a lot. <laughs> in that mm -hmm. role you're right our journeys are all different mm -hmm. and everybody has yelled at their kids oh yeah everybody. yeah but like loud yelling at my kid is like yelling at your newborn because mm. 
he doesn't understand. That may be the release that you needed at that time. Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> and your newborn isn't playing with an electrical appliance that could rip out of the ceiling and harm themselves or create an electrical fire emergency. So yes, let's, be, let's be gentle on ourselves here. It was a safety concern. Um, and, and communicating in ways that indicate a level of seriousness yeah. sometimes is necessary. And especially when we're talking black and white basic instruction. Yes. It's, it's yeah. So here you feel bad about it. And, and this and was after you had your arms, knee, I say knee deep, elbow deep in. Yes. Uh, poop. Poop. <laughs> yes. Yes. Poop. That is true. I didn't even realize the diaper thing, Karen. I oh, didn't you didn't understand. know he was in diapers still? I didn't understand that. Oh. Like, like a whole additional level. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This no, is... we are, the, the diaper thing will probably be permanent. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, mm -hmm. things suddenly happen with children like him or even adults like him where suddenly they get the whole, that neural pathway suddenly connects and they mm -hmm. get that whole piece, but sometimes mm -hmm. it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, he doesn't even show readiness for uh, any kind of toilet training. So my family is Mennonite. So we are a people that are from the border of the Netherlands and Germany. And then around the 1700s, Catherine the Great welcomed us into the Ukraine uh, to farm the land. And then we were there until the early 20th century when we emigrated over to North America and some, some to South America. My family all came to North America. Um, and then we settled in Saskatchewan and Kansas. And then we ended up here in BC. And so I like to call myself a purebred European peasant because the Mennonite people always intermarried within their faith. And so, um, so we are purebred, but we are purebred peasants. Um, yeah. And we're also inbred. Uh, <laughs> So, just like the royals. Yeah, a little bit, except the peasant end, not the wealthy end. We extol the virtues of poverty and extol the virtues of uh, suffering uh, versus pleasure. Pleasure is bad in the Mennonite uh, culture. So, uh, and then my son, uh, my son has some Scottish roots and he has some British roots and some Coast Salish roots and some Spaniard roots. I really wanted to do this podcast because... There are so many parents out there like me who feel alone. There's so many parents out there like me who do not feel part of a community. There's so many parents out there like me who have so much to give back to anyone around them, but don't have the opportunity to do so. Podcasts have really helped me when I've been at my wits end. And the only thing that's making my son happy is to take him out for a walk in a stroller. And yes, he is a 10 year old in a stroller. So if you see a very large kid in the stroller in the community, you will know that's me and my son and he needs it for emotional safety, but he's still melting down and I've had it a lot of days. So um, listening to podcasts while I'm out walking him in the stroller has helped me feel like I have uh, a friend, a community, like-minded people, my tribe. And I'm hoping that this plays a similar role for other parents, that they feel like they have that connection to something. A story for when I was like, this is parenting. Um, <laughs> that wasn't day. this morning? 
Every day. <laughs> no, that wasn't this morning's story. Every day. Every day. Yeah, literally every day. Uh, I think that. But uh, along the themes from my, as probably, I'm going to say it's in, been in the last year that this has happened. So my son was at least nine and had a massive BM that just went everywhere. And like we have rolls of paper towels. We have like boxes of wipes that we'll just like go through and you need like a big giant size garbage bag to like just keep cleaning and cleaning and cleaning all this stuff and and this bm happened uh i think it was like about 10 p.m i think he'd already been asleep and then he had a massive bm then we had to clean it up you have to change the sheets you have to do all that stuff too and then he finally got settled in and he got to bed and I was able to clean, you know, everything up, get what needed to soak in the laundry, just like a diaper pail, except it's, it's clothes, right? So you have to soak all that stuff and clean up all the garbage and everything else. Um, I had finished cleaning everything. He was back asleep. I had done at least three surgical scrub downs at that point. And somebody told me, uh, actually before I had children, that if you are dealing with feces with your bare hands, because it's your child, you should use cold water to scrub down because it closes the pores so the smell doesn't get into your pores as easily. So I had done three cold water scrub downs to get rid of the uh, the smell and I climbed into bed and I pulled the covers up to my chin and I could still smell the feces and I could smell it on my hands and I was just like oh come on man I did great work there I worked so hard to get all this done now I lie in bed and I and I smell like I'm gonna say it <laughs> I smell like shit <laughs> like this is not fair this isn't okay and I was really upset about it and then the thought trickled into my mind that this is parenting. You are being an amazing parent by going through all this, keeping your calm, staying calm so he could go back to sleep, cleaning everything up expediently. And you should wear this stink on your hands as a badge of honor. You are an amazing <laughs> yes, <you> parent. <laughs> And so, and I fell asleep with a smile on my face that night because I was like, yeah, I nailed it this after or this evening. I totally nailed parenting this evening. That's I love awesome. it. I love it. And just like flipping that moment, like how you were able to go from one extreme yes. to the other. And I think that's, that's so much of what we're talking about. Exactly. Learning to sleep with your hands down low. <laughs> away from the face. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate knowing more about your day-to-day, -to, -day, to be honest. And I had an idea, but not the full truth. Every time I feel like we get together, it's always really rushed. And there's always like so many things to catch up on. Yeah. And one thing I love is, and I, uh, is sometimes is not talking about our kids in the yes. way we can have that adult conversation because I just, I love your mind. I love your brain. I love how you study. I love how yes. you practice. I love how you're relentless in your quest for more knowledge and research and your compassion and your ability to maintain so much patience and awareness despite all that's going on. It's, it's really, and like you say, sometimes Very admirable. I, yeah. And I can, and I can appreciate how that feels isolating because on the outside, for people who know you professionally or personally or through your work, you are just 
such a, uh, an incredible resource and calm and candor, steadfast cornerstone of this incredible work with young people and families and institutions. Like you, you work on big levels by doing the frontline stuff that you do. And it's just really, I really appreciate hearing a little bit more about your day to day. And I also want to reflect to you how incredible you are in what you do outside outside of your professional job it's it's yeah you are you're a special one miss karen for sure well thank you for your affirming words um ironically i i am i've always felt like i'm not good with special needs kids (laughs) i have one of the most severe uh children with most severe needs in the province and um yeah, that it stretches me beyond my comfort zone, beyond what I can do every single day. But there's also a piece where I guess it's the acceptance piece where you just step back and you're like, yeah, that was just messed up today. <laughs> like it was just really messed up. And I guess, you know, some of my son's professionals have said, that's where the attachment piece comes in though, because your son still comes back to you again, even after, you know, you totally freaked out or, or like in many cases I am, um, and there's probably other parents who've experienced this too. I am in an, in, in an abusive relationship with my son, right? but I'm the parent. Mm-hmm. And so I can't leave it. I do have to find ways to keep myself safe, but my child still is attached to me and needs that attachment and needs to co-regulate off of me. So it's such an impossible ask of any human being to be able to operate like that. But, but that is what is asked. And some days I do it. And some days I'm just like, there is no way I should be doing my job like this. I'm not like if people knew And my neighbors do know because they can hear through the walls and they have complained. One of them has complained before because what's going on in my home is not, not what my job is supposed to be. And so, um, yeah, there's there it's, it, it, it's vulnerability, right? It's, 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 it's being a human being in an impossible situation. Resilience Mm -hmm. every day, every day. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I know there are gonna be there's gonna be somebody, Karen, listening to this in a very similar situation who is going to feel incredibly validated. And again, like they're not alone. And yeah. and and again, like being a part of the parent community in a way, like you say, that can feel exclusive sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. I just I'm really glad that you shared all of those parts of your life. Hmm. it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be it was it is still hard though to re-enter that part of my life it was I was just so stuck in a horrible not horrible because I mean I had my kid with me so and that's the part I'm grieving now is that I don't have my child with me anymore and 
it still hurts. Like I just did, um, got together with my extended family on the weekend and it was the first time that we've done an event without my child there with me. And, uh, and I cried because <laughs> it's hard to live my life without him, but it was impossible to live my life with him mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So now it's better, but it's still a lot of adjustment. And I've been going through a lot of pictures lately, just largely because things come up with his new staff and I'll be like, oh yeah, that happened before I have pictures or, oh yeah, this, you know, went on before, here's a picture of this one that's happened, you know, before. So I'm scrolling through all my old photos and uh, since the pandemic started, there's definitely more trauma photos in there than there is happy photos. Um, in fact, there's very few happy photos, which I find very disturbing. Um, and then, but even before the pandemic, there's, you know, there are lots of really great, happy photos, but there's so much trauma again and again, trauma to me too, because the high degree of stress that I was constantly under, uh, since he was born basically has created a vulnerability in my body where my retinas detach really quickly. And I have all kinds of vision issues now and, um, just scrolling through the video or through my pictures and seeing how many times I've had, you know, it's like, Oh, here's me doing retina surgery again. Oh, here's me. You know, I have to lie in this very unusual position so that the wound heals properly. And, like, it's just like so much stuff. And, um, probably what I need to do is I think now I might be ready for some counseling, um, to help me process the trauma when I was in the middle of the transition where we knew my son (laughs) would be moving into a therapeutic care home. I was just so overwhelmed with the grief and I really wanted to be in the grief. I wanted to experience it. I wanted to be sad. And, um, because I, I know that when you allow yourself to fully experience the emotion and you don't run away from it, you don't numb it, you exit from it a lot faster. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'd been grieving for so long already that I was like, I just, I want to, allow my body to work through this as fast as it can. So now I'm through the imminently sharp experience, painful experience of, of doing the transition into care. He's happier in his new home. He's uh, you know, I'm still figuring out how to live my life with independence, basically being able to be myself, being able to just take care of myself. I literally don't know how to take care of myself anymore because my whole entire life has just been focused around my son and keeping us alive and um, trying to function. So I don't know how to cook anymore. I don't know how to go to the grocery store and how to buy stuff just for me. I only buy stuff just for, uh, for my son. That that's my tendency is just to go buy his things all the time. So, but I feel like it is important to be able to process that trauma. I probably now I'm ready. I did turn down counseling at the very beginning of the transition because I knew I just needed to get through it. And that wasn't the time. It's like, if you think of once again, soldiers, uh, soldiers in active combat, if you're being shelled or shot at, 
Mm-hmm. It's not the time for a counselor to be sitting beside like, how is this making you feel right now? Like that's just <laughs> totally inappropriate. Right. Yeah. And that's why yeah. I wasn't ready for it when mm-hmm. it was, when the transition was actually happening. But now I think I'm ready for some supports and, and I don't know if I've said this before, but I have a unusually large amount of my inner circle are therapeutic counselors, like clinical counselors, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you can't go see your friends for these kinds of issues because you're too close and your friends already have opinions about stuff and they can't uh, stuff in your life and they can't objectively sit there and ask you all the right questions. So you need to actually get a therapist. That's just your therapist. I noticed cause I was watching you as we were not in a creepy way, but I was just observing <laughs> as we were listening, I was just trying to judge your facial reactions and different things that might be coming across as, as we were listening to it together. And there were a few times where you smiled. I saw a couple of times where you laughed anything there that sticks out for you after listening to that story? No, I mean, I had fear because I just, I didn't remember exactly what I had said. And I didn't Mm -hmm. know as I scroll through the pictures of all the horrible things that happened, like my son has put his head through a double paned with two double paned windows in our house. And that's how I knew I couldn't keep him safe anymore is because I couldn't stop him from doing uh, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so just processing all that trauma and the helplessness you feel as a parent when you literally cannot keep your, your child safe anymore mm. is it's so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It's not hands off yet. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that it actually ever will be as long as he's, you know, living in a situation where it does require, it requires a team of 12 people. So he has, instead of one of me doing mm-hmm. that and going through all that now, he now has at least six people and he actually requires more like eight to 10 people for 24 hours to care for him mm-hmm. uh, versus one of me. Um, a couple of his staff have already needed to get assessed for concussions uh, since he's been there. So like this, this kind of stuff is, you know, what I was just dealing with constantly all mm-hmm. the time. And, um, you know, I remember going in, took my son into our family practitioner once to get his lungs listened to because I wasn't sure if he had bronchitis or not. And, uh, and it turned out he did not have bronchitis. He just had a little bit of congestion, uh, in there that time, but my family doctor was looking at my arm, which was all scratched and clawed up. And I actually ended up leaving with a tetanus shot in my rear end. And I was like, I I brought him in to get his lungs assessed. How am I leaving with a tetanus shot? But it's like, she was like, no, like that's really dangerous for like the number of cuts um, that you have on your arm. Like you could easily pick up something like tetanus. So yeah, just seeing all the high risk things that were going on. And, um, you know, people would always say, I don't know how you do it. Um, I don't know how I did it either. You know, now people are saying things like, oh, you're so brave and you're, you know, a hero and blah, 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 things like that. And, you know, I, I kind of appreciate the comments, but in another way, it's like any parent would have done that, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're connected with your kid and you love your kid and, you know, it's, it's, it's what anybody, you do what needs to be done. And, um, yeah. And then, and then until the point where you can no longer keep your child safe, and then you have to make the big, brave decision to allow other people to come in and take care of your child. 
but um i i have personally been blessed so much by these people's stories the his new caregiving team their stories of the types of things that they've been through in their life and um and the level of care that they give him and it comes from a a real place of um you know they've also experienced suffering um they've also experienced loss and that allows their authenticity to emerge in their ability to take care of him. So, um, yeah, so those pieces are all in, in the process and, you know, in some ways I feel like I'm building a new family now with them Mm -hmm. and I'm not in charge of the family anymore, but I am creating with Jed, I'm creating a new family with them. So, Mm. yeah. I have a question with the pressure off, uh, in terms of being the 24 seven caregiver. Yeah. How is your relationship with your son changing? I don't know that honestly, that question scares the hell out of me. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Cause being a parent in survival mode and, and what you said to, you know, you talk about, you know, someone in the trenches during war, which is a, a a metaphor that we've sort of strung through a a number of, of conversations, which really, I think is so demonstrative and, and so telling, um, the experience and just in terms of the cortisol and the stress and the potential threat that's, that's, you know, we're not, you know, there, there could be threat to, you know, both of you at, yeah. at any given time. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, it reminds me of that, you know, everyone talks about that superhuman strength that mamas can have, you know, they can lift a car if they need yeah. to, to save their kid. And yeah. the fact that it requires six full-time people every day really needs eight to 12. Yeah. I mean, you were eight to 12 people every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess what I'm, I'm fearful when you ask that question, um, like it produced a few tears when you asked that question and it's because I'm fearful of loss of relationship with him, mm. but, but I, it's changing. I don't know if it's going that direction. Um, I know he wants me there all the time. Mm-hmm. And to a degree, I want to be there all the time, but it's actually, Ashley, you said it the best. And I know, I think it was in one of our unrecorded moments one day and you were talking about, I was doing some reflecting today and I realized the two things I want most in the world is time with my family and time away from my family. (laughs) I was like, that's the best parenting summary I've ever heard. And I'm very much experiencing that in that I'm uh, loving, loving my time away. And Mm -hmm. I'm also wanting every moment to be with him as well. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, so those elements are tied into that question, but yeah, there's definitely like the staff themselves have been saying to me, I don't even know how you did this by yourself, Karen. Like there's no way, like, I don't know how you've been doing it by yourself. And it's because it it wasn't workable anymore. Like he Mm -hmm. literally needs a team to support him for him to be able to self-regulate. And, uh, and he also needs to know and trust his team. And that's the vulnerable place that we're in right now Mm -hmm. is, um, is having the time for him to build trust with a team. And it's like any staffing situation where there's staff turnover and staff are hired and then they end up transferring to a different position. And, you know, and so every time a new staff person, there's a lot of people for him to build relationships with now. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's kind of our vulnerable point now. 
there is more kindness now coming from my heart toward him. Uh, and before there was love mixed with rage <laughs> right? <laughs> because yeah. it was so off the charts, what was going on. Yeah. Um, and the rage has subsided. I could definitely say that the rage is mm-hmm. gone and now it's, it's all love and kindness and, um, and intelligent action instead mm. of, cause when you're in a rage, cause you're just trying to survive in the moment, the mm-hmm. rage helps you stay alive. But now I don't need the rage to help me stay alive and help stay alive anymore. Now, um, now I have a team and we can intelligently think through things. Wow. And, and people you could, I would imagine like bounce things off of or rely on if like you physically can't, um, you know, be there to like, there's, there are more hands, there's more support, there's some discussion. It's not just you in that reactionary moment. Yes. Yeah. And, and the, uh, and the staff, even though the, you know, they've only known him for about two months, but some of them are starting to notice some of the same things that I noticed, like, you know, he's particularly my kid is not externally motivated by anything. And Mm -hmm. this is the problem is that the primary behavioral, uh, program used with kids like my son is ABA or mm-hmm. applied behavioral analysis, which uh, relies on external motivators. And mm-hmm. my son is just not externally motivated by anything. Uh, mm-hmm. And so um, all these different programs that are applied to him just don't work for him. What does work for him is relationship, spending mm-hmm. time with him, getting to know him and everybody loves him once they have time to get to know him. And, uh, but it's time consuming to be able to do that. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's occurring to me as I'm hearing you speak and, you know, we talk about relationship and how that's so important with anything, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's professional, personal, building that relationship is, is absolutely key for, Uh, or like a connection to, for motivation for so many people or success. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that's occurring to me as you're speaking, as you're talking about his staff is I know for me as a staff person, whether it's been, it's been with youth and families in a number of different settings over the years. One thing that I've always prided myself on is that sometimes as an external person, I can sometimes find or see blind spots that maybe the parent can't see or, Mm -hmm. I can bring something different to the mix that a parent, because you're so entrenched in it. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you're a professional psychologist yourself and you have a child on the autism spectrum, you can't see it because you're too close. Yeah. It's, I feel like it, I'm just in my house all the time as a parent. I I know, and just being around other parents and, and being that person that isn't their parent. And uh, I'm holding dearly a lot of hope for the new relationship that you get to develop without mm-hmm. all the stress mm-hmm. of um, being having forcing to be in reaction all the time yeah um, you don't have to be good cop and bad cop all the time you know, mm-hmm. in the sense that like when you have a dynamic you know you have to play every role so you don't get to play the one that you want or that you enjoy mm-hmm. um and just having, you know, we haven't been recording all of this. And although I think it would have been an incredible like docu-series, this whole process, because I just respect so much the way you've approached everything. And again, I totally encourage people to check out your blog. Um, I really think it's so informative, even if, yeah, you have no connection to a special needs child personally, someone knows somebody who has a special needs child mm-hmm. or is going through a trauma or a transition or something difficult, parenting, grief, 
anything. Like I, I just, the way you've approached this um, with all your knowledge and, and all the planning and, and the grief process and how you move through it is really admirable. And I think if all of us could deal with difficult things in a similar fashion, we'd all be a lot more healthy and uh, be growing and mm-hmm. healing mm-hmm. and not getting stuck and numbing mm-hmm. um, and repeating the same story. You're, you're rewriting and you're creating new story here. And yeah. And if I can reflect back to you, and I don't think this is something that we've talked about on a podcast, but um, one thing, you know, you talked about your son being in the, you know, bottom one percentile of the most extreme in terms of elect, uh, intellectual special needs. One thing that we talked about before, if you're okay, me saying it is, the spirit that your Mm -hmm. son has Mm -hmm. and what he doesn't have in terms of his ability to function uh, normatively. Mm -hmm. He, he makes up for in spades with his incredible bright spirit that people can feel and sense um, the second they're in his orbit, which is remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When, when he's able to shine he shines so brightly and wins over every, every heart, the crustiest of hearts, the most disappointed of hearts. He, he has this ability to connect with people. Um, the people who have lost the most in life, he has the ability to, um, I don't know, just reignite that spark in them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, is it hope? I don't, it would be ironic if it was hope because we were so hopeless for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, he is, um, his spirit has more work to do and had more work to do outside of just me, incredibly transformed me and who I am. And I'm so grateful for who I am now. Um, I, I really didn't like myself, you know, when I look back to, you know, who I was before marriage and family and everything else, I, I did not like who I was. And now I love who I am, but it's because of what my son put me through. And I got, I got to, I got connected back with myself again. Right. Like, I don't know. I think it was, you know, if we're talking about, I guess, some general spiritual concepts of uh, your ego self versus your spirit self and the ego self is you know, about right or wrong and about, you know, setting up life and, you know, developing your career and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But in those processes, we sometimes get disconnected from our true spirit selves. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I really believe that my son has helped me reconnect with that. And some people would even say that's kind of the whole point of meditation is to get reconnected with your true spirit self and feel that connection. And you have to let everything else drop away Mm. before you can feel that connection. And I, you know, may have taken an alternative path to that instead of (laughs) having the calm meditation, (laughs) breathing. Um, He put me through a different kind of firestorm that refined me in a different way. And Mm. Not to say I've, you know, got it all figured out and I'm pure spirit or anything like that. You know, there's still lots of ego there and everything else. And my name is still Karen. Um, so not that kind of Karen. Yeah. Sometimes I am that kind of Karen and I'm just like, don't, did not want to be that kind of Karen. Um, he is, he's a true gift and, um, you know, I just hope he is also growing and learning from all these experiences too. I hope he's being blessed. 
through all these experiences as well. And yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's almost like graduation. Like you, like you say, there's other people's lives he can touch now, you know, he's just adored at his school. Yeah. Everybody knows him. And Mm -hmm. um, now that you're seeing this with the staff as well. And, and it's almost like, okay, now I need to get to like my bigger audiences and, you yeah. know, this is yeah. time to, to grow and move forward into the other, the other parts. And really excited to hear more about the relationship that you get to continue to have in a, in a new and different way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be continued. To be continued. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I'm, I'm just honored to be going through and listening to this and debriefing with you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for coming along for the journey. Follow or interact with us on Instagram at thing called parenting or email us at thing called parenting at gmail.com.